Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Rick Bradbury teaches on positioning yourself. I want to talk to you a little bit about positioning yourself. I want to make it very clear and precise so that you understand corporately what God wants you to do corporately, but also individually, individually. And so I just want to read a few scriptures, just kind of paint a picture. The thing about Susie and I is we've been acquainted with tons of miracles. What's a miracle? A miracle is, uh, in its best form, is it's a surprise. It's a surprise. A miracle is usually a surprise. A miracle is, when you think about miracles, they are extraordinary. They're not ordinary. It's something that happens that's extraordinary. Many times they will disagree with scientific facts. Many times they will not match up to what's naturally or what comes through nature of a man or the nature of a woman or the nature of this particular setting. They're miracles because they are contributed to uh, a divine agency steps in, which is God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit. And so they're divine in nature, something extraordinary, something that's a surprise, something you wasn't even really uh, knew it was a, a possibility. It seems so, I mean, just so out of the ordinary. And the reason I want to talk to you is because back in 1980, there was a statement made on ESPN. ESPN has been going on for 40 years now, their anniversary. But the greatest announcement came on, the greatest broadcast, and they'll tell you that as they is 1980, I was awake, I was watching, I was listening, and, and their statement comes across, do you believe in miracles? And it so touched my young heart back in 1980 that I collect 1980 stuff. I still have like some Coke bottles or Pepsi still from 1980. I have stuff from 1980. I, I have things that I keep because that so impacted my life. Do you believe in miracles? And I answer the question, yes, I do. And so Susie and I have just seen a ton of miracles. We have been part of being the one God used in a miracle. We've also been on the receiving end of miracles. So we've believed for miracles, and then we've received miracles when we didn't even know what God was going to do. You know, I wish I could tell you, I could probably tell you a hundred miracle stories where God just used other people or used me. And so it's not just enough, though, this morning, I want you to see something in Scripture and I can't go there, and I won't take a ton of time, but I want you to understand something about positioning yourself. Positioning yourself. My favorite book is the book of Mark. I believe it's the book of miracles. I believe it's the book that would be the story of Jesus. If there was a movie of Jesus, I would go to Mark and make the movie. It's just a book from the first chapter all the way through, just a book of miracles. So I want to just talk about it a little bit, because corporately and individually, I want you to position yourself this morning. So let's go to a few scriptures. Let's go to Mark chapter 9, verse 23. When you look at it, what do you mean? This is in the NLT, but what do you mean? What do you mean? What are you trying to say? What, what, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. In your version, it probably says this, if you can believe, all things are possible to those that believe. Now, we're talking about a miracle that's about ready to happen. We're talking about a father that Jesus is talking to. And his son, Mark chapter 9, more times than he can count, was in a mess. It's a young man that you're talking about messed up. The guy said, oft times, it means more than I can count. As far back as I can remember, my son's been messed up. My son's been messed up. I mean, you talk about the message he's been, he's been in the fire, he's been, I mean, he, I mean, he's been in the water, I mean, he almost drowned, he's been burnt, I mean, the bruises, the scars, I mean, the issues, many times I thought he was dead, and he tells him, what do you mean if I can? If you can believe, he says, all things are possible to those who believe. That was a story. Let's go, if we would, to Matthew chapter 21, verse 22, and watch what it says here. When you get here, if you can pray for anything, think about this. You can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. You can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. Okay, let's go a couple more. Let's go to Luke chapter 18, verse 42. 
Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. He's talking to this blind guy. And he says, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Let's do one more. Let's go to Mark eleven twenty four, And let's just deal with this one. And, I'll, and then I'll just talk to you. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. Now, just really take a look at that. I tell you, Jesus is talking, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you receive it, it will be yours. I just want you to get the gist of this now. The thing about Mark 11 is this. He says, he makes this statement, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, it will obey you. The problem is, so many times, we don't talk to the problem, we talk about the problem. Do you know what's going on? We don't have any money. Do you know what happened, my son? Do you know what? We talk about the problem. We never really talk to the problem. Jesus wants us to talk to the problem. He doesn't say talk about the mountain, talk about the valley, talk about the need, talk about the person. And so many of us, the reason we don't position ourselves to receive the mountains being moved, the, uh, the, the ability to make it through this problem or situation we're in or circumstances is we're talking to everybody about about the problem, and that is not faith. Faith talks to the problem itself. It says, listen, lack, listen, lack, listen, 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 jealousy, listen, hatred. We talk to the issue we're dealing with. He says, and if you say to this problem, to this mountain, be thou removed, abracadabra. So I want you to hear that this morning. Because he just makes it very clear. And so when you look at miracles throughout the whole Bible, you see some things. And so I look at a lot of miracles because I believe for a lot. I have friends of mine tell me, man, I never get, get miracles. If God did what he does for you, I mean, it'd be crazy. You know, I could tell you so many miracles. Uh, yeah, I did. I tell you one, uh, that I, God used me. We're young. We're, I mean, 40 years ago, we got a couple kids. We're at the state meeting, and I did, worked a little extra, had $35 tucked away back then. Back then, I wasn't getting a dime. Susie spent every dollar we had on bills. <laughs> I mean, every dime. I mean, I had nothing. I couldn't even buy donuts uh, on, for the guys. I couldn't buy drinks at break time. I had nothing. Finally, I put my foot down. Finally, I put my foot down. I said, Susie, listen, I'm done doing this. At least give me $10 a week. Okay, I'll work for $10 a week. You know, I'll do that. And finally, I love that so much, I said, okay, it's 20 and Then I upped it to 30 And then I upped it to 40 I mean, after a few years, I'm getting 40 bucks out of my paycheck. That's a dollar an hour. I mean, I was so happy. I mean, because I have money. The thing is, finally, now I'm up to, for years, I just get 100 bucks straight off the top, so I have it. Because why? I want money in my pocket. I know some of you don't believe in this. You go with the card and all that. But I have to have money in my pocket. Why? Because I have to position myself to be used by God. Come on. Come on. See, when you don't have money in your pocket, you're not in a position to buy that guy's lunch right there. You're not in a position to hand that guy $20. See, it's called positioning yourself. So I want to talk to you a little bit. And, and, and the thing is, is when you start understanding position yourself, it's not doing because I'm just old-fashioned. I'm, I'm not able to transform into a new kind of way. No, I love to change a routine. I turned 65. I told Susie, I'm changing my whole swing at 65. I'm changing the way I putt. I'm going to the pop stroke. I'll tell you what, I'm playing the best golf I've ever played. Because if you get old and you don't change your routine, then you'll be stuck in the way it used to be. But if you change your routine, then you won't get so frustrated with the way things are going on around you. You'll actually do better and move up to the senior tees and still spank all the young guys you're playing with. Spank them. Spank them. Why? Willing to change my routine at 65. So you look at miracles, you see something. There's the believing part of miracles. And most people say, I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. But then there's a the receiving part of miracles. And people position themselves to believe and they take this stand and they quote scripture. But Susie and I haven't really been good believers. You know what we've really been? Good receivers. And so I want to talk to you this morning just for a few minutes about positioning yourself to receive. See, if you don't position yourself to receive, Susie and I, uh, one of the beautiful part about our life is, you know, God's used us a lot. 
but I had $35 on me, and they're taking up an offering for a real dear friend of mine, uh, Brother Ratchford, and he, he was just like a grandpa. He knew Paul and John by name when they were little, and he's still alive and just a good friend. They're taking this offering. He's been eight years in our state, and I, all I had, we didn't have any money, but I had $35. I'd worked extra. And God told me to give it to this lady over there. I go, no, God, Susie don't even know I have this $35. <laughs> Nobody knows it but you. I'm not doing it. And plus, I got to go up and shake his hand. It's like, that's all I have. And give her that $35. The lady was sitting right over there. And she, so I walked through. I don't even give the guy a like nothing. I walked through. Don't give him no money. Shake his hand. Oh, we just love you. Hate to see you leave our state. Walk by. And on the way back up, I just handed that lady the $35. And I said, God told me to give this to you. And I walked away. That was Monday night. I'm telling you something that happens. This has happened hundreds of times. But what happened on Friday night? I go, uh, hey, you know that one lady? I said, that usually sits over there. I said, I saw her Monday night. I'm talking to a friend of mine. We're out to eat. And I said, I saw her Monday night. And uh, I said, I haven't seen her all week. And she's always at every camp meeting. She's been here my whole life. She's been here. It's the first time I've not seen her all week. He said, oh, haven't you heard? It was a miracle. And I says, what? He says, well, her husband got sick and lost his job. And she's been coming to camp meetings for 20 years. And they weren't going to be able to come because they didn't have any money. And she begged her husband, would you come? And he says, honey, we don't even have enough gas to get there. We don't have enough gas. She said, please take me. Just please take me. We'll have enough gas to get there and get back, I'm sure. We don't have to eat anything or do anything. And he, he's telling me the story on Friday night. He goes, and you won't believe what happened. He, he, she begged her husband to bring her down just Monday night so she wouldn't skip all these years of being at camp meet. And some guy walked up to her and handed her $35. And they filled the car up with gas and got them a nice meal. And it was a miracle. It was extraordinary. It was a surprise. And see, God's used us. But you know what? I don't care if God uses me to be a part of the miracle. If I don't have enough gas to get back home and I'm going to be hungry and I want to tell my husband how much I'm trusting God, I'll be on the end of the 35 bucks handed to me, on the receiving end of it. So I want you to understand there's the believing side of miracles, and then there's the receiving side. And when you look at them, they're all that way, if you don't position yourself, okay? And so when you start studying them out, and so here's what, let's just take a couple miracles. The woman that only has enough to feed her son one more piece of cornbread or pancake and enough oil to make it, and she's going to die. And the man of God says, hey, why don't you make that for me? And when she made it, it positioned herself to receive a meal barrel. That never, see, without giving the last bit away, yeah. without giving the last little bit. Shannon, my other daughter-in-law, called me one time, and she says, I don't know what we're going to do. We only have $14, and we've got this bill coming in. We don't have gas, and I don't have groceries for the kids. She called me from Kansas City. They're at the house of prayer. And she goes, can you just give me some advice? I said, if I had $14 and I had all the problems you have, I'd give it away as soon as I could. <laughs> she says, really? I said, I'd walk right over the prayer room. I'd wait on the Holy Spirit, and I'd hand that $14 to somebody if you're expecting some gas and stuff. Why? Position yourself to receive. Position yourself to receive. She positioned herself to receive. And when you start to understand that and look at the stories in the Bible, then you see that if she hadn't gave that last meal, if she hadn't did that act of obedience, she would have never been in the position to go to the meal barrel every day for the rest of her life and it never run dry. And go in that cruise of oil, and it keeps pouring and pouring and pouring. Extraordinary, surprising every time she does it, that she has enough for the next meal and the next cornbread and the next pancake and the next loaf of bread, and it keeps coming. Why? Because a divine agency said, I'm going to team up with you so that you're on the receiving end of my miracle working power. You take the woman, her husband dies. What's she going to do? I just left UT this morning. Pastor's wife, what am I going to do? My husband's critically ill. Massive heart attack Thursday night. I was there when he came to UT. We were there this morning. And her question is, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have to leave the church if he dies. He's the rock of our family. He's the heart of our family. Blah, 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 blah. What am I going to do? Woman in the Bible. Lost her husband. Completely in debt. Has these two boys. You know what the man of God says? Hey, go get all the empty jars in town. 
Well, you don't understand. I'm grieving. Go get on empty shelves. Why is it so important to understand the receiving end? Because had they not collected all the empty jars, had they not went and positioned themselves to receive, and what happened was is they started pouring into them, and they filled up all the empty jars, and she sold it all and paid off the debt and had enough retirement and enough means to provide for her son and his children and his children's children for the rest of their life. Why? She positioned herself to receive what God had planned for her. And so positioning yourself is so important. So I want to get you to think just for a moment before we go. What if receiving is just as important as believing when it comes to miracles? What if that's the case? You see, because most people think, oh, we have this big opportunity. Opportunity doesn't position you for a miracle. Oh, no, it's a really good opportunity, honey. It's a really good opportunity. We ought to take it. Just having opportunities didn't position anybody here or anybody out there for miracles. Well, we got this obstacle. We're facing this obstacle. No, obstacle, you know, I don't know what we're, we got this big obstacle. Please pray. We need a miracle. No, obstacles don't position you for a miracle. Opposition, obstacles, even opportunities, good or bad, it doesn't position you. You're not in a place for a miracle. Because opportunities doesn't position you, neither do obstacles position you for a miracle. You know what positions you? Obedience positions you for a miracle. And when you, when you obey, now you've moved into position where you can receive divine help or something surprising that the Father has planned or something that God's already paid for. Why? Because your act of obedience. You know what he said the very first miracle? Mary says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And it's a first recorded miracle. And what they really had a problem. They had a situation. They had a difficulty. And Mary said, hey, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Why? Because obedience on the first miracle and every miracle since then, obedience positions you to be the one used for it are the one receiving it. So not the obstacle, not the opportunity. And most so many people, they, and you know what other people, if it's not an obstacle or an opportunity, here's what everybody that wants me to pray, go, I'm just so overwhelmed. I want to say overwhelmed doesn't position you for a miracle. Just because you're overwhelmed. But they think because I'm so overwhelmed with my situation, I'm in a position to receive a miracle. No, you're not. Until you get in an obedient position, you cannot receive. You have to go get the pots. You have to fill them with water. You have to go dip seven times. You have to, you know, I don't care what it is, you have to, you know, you have to get in a position to receive. Yeah. Yeah. Position to receive, it's so important. So many people, they, they think, oh, I'm so worried. Worried about it doesn't position you for a miracle. Well, I'm, I'm going to work it out. Uh, let's just work it out. Let's do this and let's do this. I'm just working so hard on this situation. Let's just work it out. Working it out doesn't position you for a miracle. It doesn't position you. You know what positions you for a miracle? Willingness. See, willingness. What do you mean willingness? What's the difference between willingness and obedience? This corporate body, if you start just obeying everything he tells you to do, every little prompting, every little thing, that he shares with you every little thought you have, like give her $35. It makes no sense, but you don't hear about it till Friday, but you're part of somebody else's miracle, yeah. and God used you. It can happen over and over yeah. and over again. But then think about being the lady. You're prompted, hey, let's just go tonight. Let's just believe we'll have enough gas to get us home. I know we don't have to eat. I just want to go one time, and you're obedient, and now you're sitting there, and some dude that you don't even know hands you $35, the last $35 he had. There was a secret to everybody but God, and God says, hey, I want to use you to bless her, and I'm so glad you came and sat right there because you were right in sight, and I have just the guy that's going to hand you $35. It's positioning yourself. Uh, how does this work, Rick? Listen very carefully. I mean, I've done it so many times. This is the reason I'm, I know about it. It's, uh, it's, it I, was a, I had $150 like that one time. I did extra work to get extra money, you know, so I could have it to spend because I like surprising people. I like helping people. It's just part of the Father's heart. It's part of it. But the thing, well, like even Paul and Chloe yesterday. Paul and Chloe are sitting down at a nice meal, fellowshipping, and you know what I did? I says, hey, can you come outside? 
So they have to leave the fellowship and leave the food that's satisfying them and go outside of a baby shower they have. Why? Because Michael took me to the house they were going to move in a couple months ago. And when I went to that house, you know what? I, I just stood there and I saw this swing set. And I thought, you know, when they move in here, I'm buying them a swing set for the baby. I already knew in my heart. So I have it planned and I have it purchased. And it's a surprise to them. But they had to come out and receive it at the back of the truck. See, I, they had to come out to the back of the truck, leave the table. They had to come and leave the food. And they had to come outside and position themselves to be in a position where they could get this thing. And I couldn't even carry it by myself. I had to have help to even get it to them. Why? Because positioning yourself, and, and they're going, oh, this is wonderful. And they receive something, has this little girl in the swing on the picture. It was adorable. Even the picture was worth the money. It was adorable because it's going to be reality. Little nephew and niece or dad just sitting there, and here she is just enjoying the vitamin D outside, you know, why? You, they had to position themselves. If Paul would have said, no, I don't want to go outside. And Chloe says, well, just, you know, we'll get it one day. You know what I'd done? I'd drive home. They never received it because they had to get to the back of the truck where it was planned, already purchased for, already planned for, already in the Father's heart to surprise them. Once you understand this, once you begin to understand this, positioning yourself to receive, then you're, what happens is your daughter's dying. Your daughter's dying, and you know she might be dead, but you said, I got to get to Jesus in Mark 5, and you leave your dying daughter, and you leave her presence, and you leave the family, and you walk down, and on your way there, on your way there, just because you feel like you need to have a talk with Jesus, what happens is, is you leave and, no, oh, that's not natural. You shouldn't do that. What if she dies while you're gone? Why are you leaving intensive care? Why are you making this trip? Why are you doing this? Why, what's going on? And if you're not willing, not overwhelmed by it, not worried about it, but willing to leave. And what happens? The lady pushes through the crowd. She gets her miracle. They come with the bad news. Like you said, she's already dead. Don't trouble him. Sorry. You know what I love about that? If he hadn't been there, he wasn't in the position because you know what Jesus did? Out of the whole crowd and all the people, and all the disciples, Mark chapter 5, look it up for yourself. He looked at that father and he said two words, only believe. He looked him square in the face. He had to position himself to receive the look from Jesus, the two words from Jesus, after the news of his daughter's already dead. But Jesus looked him square in the face. He didn't look anybody else in the crowd. He was in a position to receive the word from Jesus. And he looked the Father in his eyes. What do you learn from scriptures? I've learned from Mark chapter 5 that the faith of a father can change the future of a child, of a daughter. Mark chapter 9, if you can believe, he looks that father square in the eyes. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. What do you learn in Mark chapter 9? The faith of a father can change the future of a son. If you can believe, dad, I'm not talking to your wife. I'm not talking to the family. I'm not talking to the disciples. If you can believe, all things are possible to those that believe. He looked, no, nobody else they had to be in a position. Jesus goes home with him, raises her from the dead like Lazarus. It wasn't over. Why? Because he went in position. The woman who crawled through, she spent all she had. She only grew worse. She spent everything she had on all the doctors. But she, what did she do? She crawled through the crowd and positioned herself to get to the hem of his garment. Why? She couldn't receive this at the house. She couldn't receive this down in the backyard. She couldn't receive it. She had to get to the hem of his garment and position herself to receive what he was carrying and what he had. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. Oh, be quiet. Don't trouble him. It's a big crowd. Jesus, thou son of David. It says he cried the louder. Jesus, thou son of David. Jesus is booking it. 
And because the man was willing to stand and willing to cry out and willing to call, it positioned him in a position to receive what Jesus had for him. And that was sight for those blinded eyes that he had for year after year after year. It doesn't matter what your issue is. It doesn't matter what your problem is. It doesn't matter. You can know him and believe in him. But if you're not in a position to receive what he wants to do in your life, overwhelm doesn't position you. Worry doesn't position you. Willingness positions you. Let me tell you one more thing, because I'm a police chaplain for years and a hospital chaplain. Problems don't position you for a miracle. Everybody thinks because they got a problem, they're in a position. No. Let me tell you this. Pain doesn't even position you for a miracle. I got dear ministry friends that are addicted to drugs and stuff and lose their ministry. Over one knee surgery, there's so much pain. You don't understand, Rick. I know pastors that have had to go buy their son drugs because they're just so... You think about a pastor puts himself in that position because of pain. See, pain doesn't position you to a, for a miracle. Just because you have pain, it doesn't mean you're in a position of a miracle. Just because you have a problem doesn't mean you're in a position of a miracle. Obedience positions you. Willingness positions you. And you know what else? Prayer positions you. Prayer positions you. There's something about this raw emotional conversation with God. There's something about being honest with God about where you're really at. There's something about when your wife dies after she had a, a transfusion of blood at the birth and she dies and you throw the whole Bible across the room and you just can't believe that you're burying your wife and, and the emotion of that and you're just being honest with God. I'm done. I quit. I'll tell you what. What? I'm in pain. I have a problem. But no, just the fact that you're talking to God is positioning yourself for God to bring something about that was be a surprise and extraordinary and supernatural and unbelievable at times. Something really, really good is about to happen. Because a prayer positions you, puts you in a position to receive. So I just want you to lay, okay, what about salvation? You receive it, don't you? Forgiveness, you receive it, don't you? Healing, you receive it, don't you? Love, you receive it, don't you? I mean, hope, you have to receive it. Peace, you have to receive it. Joy, it's available, but you have to receive it. Instruction. You have to receive it. If you don't receive it, you'll go the wrong way. You'll make a wrong turn. You have to receive it. Knowledge, you have to receive it. Wisdom, you have to receive it. Understanding, you have to receive it. Faith, you have to receive it. They're called the gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of knowledge. Where in the world do we disconnect and think we have to earn miracles? If you can't earn any of this stuff, what makes you think you're going to earn a miracle? I'm here to tell you this morning, maybe miracles are gifts from a divine agency that already purchased something and planned something and has a surprise for you. Now, here's the key to that. Zeke, he's toting, I mean, he's only 18. He's toting a 40 caliber on his side. Everywhere he goes, it's with him. Why is that? Because we got him one. How did I package it? I packaged it in old granny paper. I'm at these flowers from like the 1920s. I mean, this is garage sale 10-cent wrapping paper. I packaged it, and no big deal about his birthday. No big deal. In fact, I said, Zeke, you know, we'll do something, but Grandma bought you a present. So grandma brings him out a present, which usually means it's just something. It's not extraordinary. It's not just, it's just something. And I says, grandma bought your present this year. Grandma bought your present this year, so I'll just let her buy your gift this year. Oh, granny paper. I'm it from granny. He opens it up, and to his surprise was this 40 caliber pistol. That he's, what did he, she get out of the deal? See, if, what, what, what are you trying to say? The giver, the giver, the giver, the giver, what would you do with the giver? 
if you're going to be give something from a giver, you have to do exactly what the giver tells you to do. Because the giver is the one that purchased it. The giver is the one that wrapped it. The giver is the one that's going to give it to you this way. If you're going to receive this, Zeke, you've got to get it from your grandma. You've got to unwrap it with this ugly paper. You have to not expect anything except maybe a shirt. Maybe a gift card. Why? What are, you, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say, I wrapped it. We're the givers. I planned it. My dad, I bought him a, a, a double-barrel 10-gauge shotgun to bust geese out of the sky. But you know what? 10-gauge double-barrel. It's in Montana now. Can't wait till we bust some geese. But the thing is, I set him down on a couch and positioned himself, and I give him this big box, and he opened it, and he, you know what? Because I'm the giver, he had to do exactly what I said. And so he opened 13 boxes. They were all big. They were all big, down a little to a matchbox, and it said, look under the couch. And he reads <laughs> under the couch. And he pulls out this 10-gauge double barrel, one of the greatest gifts he ever received. What's so important about that? The giver has it planned. The giver wants you to get in a certain position. The giver wants to do it a certain way. The giver, it's all up to the giver. You have to do exactly what the giver tells you to do if you're going to be in a position to receive what's been purchased and planned and paid for. Yes, it's going to be a surprise. Yes, it's going to be extraordinary. Yes, it's going to be something, I mean, unbelievable. But you got to do exactly what the giver says. Yeah. Have you ever been surprised before? They say, hey, we're going to go here, but you're not really going there. And we're going to do this. You're not really doing that. And they say, why are you stopping by church? Surprise! There's this big party has been planned. There's all this food that's been made. There's a bunch of presents that you've been given. What do you say? You have to position yourself to receive. Here's what I need you to do. Close your eyes. I need you to hold your hands out. See? I need you to sit down. Or I need you to come with me. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. And the th what happens is you don't get to choose the way you're going to receive it. The giver tells you where he's going to take you. You don't even know where he's taking you. You don't know what he has planned. You don't know he's going to surprise you. You have to position yourself to receive. Well, how do you do that? By doing exactly what the giver tells you to do. Your obedience and your willingness, your trust positions you to receive whatever the giver has for you. Does she look like she's in a receiving mood? <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm not opening my eyes. I might ruin it. You've heard about Jesus. Some of you are sitting here. And you just want to see if it's real or not, so you climb a tree. Because you're too short. But by climbing that tree, you position yourself. And in all the crowd, Jesus goes and sees you. And he says, Zacchaeus. But if you read the Bible correctly, what happened was he didn't even wasn't for sure. But when Jesus sees him, he looks away and he goes, he sees me. And then he says, Zacchaeus. He goes, he knows me. And he goes, I'm come, come on down. I'm coming to your house today. He wants me. Can I tell you something? Positioning yourself in a position to receive will allow you to be in a position where he can see you. And then you'll know he knows you. And you'll understand he wants you. He wants you to go with him. He wants you. You have this 18-year-old problem. Stretch forth your hand. And, and, you, and you stretch forth the good one. He says, no, I want you to stretch forth the bad one. And this 18-year problem disappears. Why? Because you positioned yourself to receive. Mm -hmm. Thank you, John. You call upon the name of the Lord, and I will answer you and show you. If, none, if salvation you have to receive, and forgiveness you have to receive, and faith you have to receive, and healing you have to receive, what if, if you can't earn any of those things, what if there are gifts? 
if you have to receive direction, if you have to receive instructions, if you have to receive orders, if you have to receive a picture from God or a word from God or a prompting from God or a thought from God or an idea from God, what if receiving a miracle is just as important as believing for a miracle? Because when it comes to faith, you don't need a whole lot. You can have a little bit. But the thing is, we're trying so hard to believe. We're trying so hard to trust. We're trying so hard to have confidence. And all the time, we miss the understanding that, no, just having faith isn't going to get position you. Obedience positions you. Willingness to do what? Listen. And prayer to have a conversation. To even, can I trust you? I don't understand. My buddy, his baby, I was there when he was born. And my buddy, you know what he did? He, he just is so new. It took me 12 years to win him to Jesus. At one point, I said something to him I wish I hadn't said. I've really tried to help him. I've seen him at his worst with alcohol. I've seen him at his worst with his wife. I've seen, I've seen the whole thing falling apart. So I just kept 12 years working with him. Let me tell you this because of what happened. So I introduced him to Jesus. At one point, I said, when I was so frustrated, I said, just go on to hell. And I walked out of the shop. And, and the, the Lord checked me and said, do you really mean that? You really want to? And I was going, no, I don't really mean that. So I ended up winning him to the Lord. Has two beautiful children, has one. I was there when the doctor came out. They took the baby from her, flew her to the medical center a couple hours away. When we were there, the doctor's describing what's going on. And I says, hey, we don't understand the word you're saying. Could you just tell them? They said, well, the heart's about the size of a quarter, and there's a big hole in the heart, and the baby's not going to live. It, it would be a miracle, and we can't do surgery when it's so young like this. It would be down the road if we could. And so they have him hooked up to everything. Now, Rich is a Vietnam veteran, and he's tough as nails. And in the ICU room, he unhooks his own baby and takes it. The security went crazy. They flipped out. Everybody, his wife's just in a panic. We don't know if Rich is just saying the baby's going to die in my arms. I'm not going to let it die here. I'm going to hold my own kid. You know, he was gone. We didn't know where he was at. In about five minutes, he comes back with the baby. And he went and found a corner, had his little talk with God. He says, okay. He handed the baby back. And they panicked, hooked it all up. You know what? Five years later, the baby had open-heart surgery, and it was the first one of its kind. We're talking like 40 years ago. And it made the big headlines of the news, this miracle baby that lived through this problem that now has open-heart surgery. This doctor was willing to do it, and he was only like five, and he's still alive today. Why? Rich had to position himself to even buy in that his son would live and not die. And it's against nature. It's against scientific facts sometimes. It, 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 you just get this thing, this prompting. But what if that's more important? I believe in miracles. What about, I receive, how many want to be a part of somebody else's miracle? You'd like to be part of somebody else's miracle. I know it's in you. How would you like someone else to be part of your miracle? Wouldn't that be cool? I, I'm a here because people are part of my miracle. I mean, everything about my life is people part of it. It wasn't money I earned. It wasn't, but it was given to me. It was done for me. It was people. But understand, and I, I won't take any more time except to let you know that the giver, what's your role in this? Do exactly what the giver tells you to do. He has this big thing planned. He has this thing going on. You know nothing about it. There's a whole bunch of people waiting on you to walk through the door, and they're going to surprise you, and you think you're going to run down to grab an ice cream cone, and you're getting ready to have the biggest party you've ever had. You're getting ready for the biggest surprise that you've ever been given. And so if you believe miracles are gifts, then position yourself to do exactly what the giver is telling you to do. And there's not a story in here. There's not a story in here. I'm not going to go dip seven times. Well, you live with your leprosy. We're not walking around these walls. Be silent all day, so many people. 
smite the rock, go lay down on the child. What if believing isn't as important as receiving? Now, you have to believe. Believing positions you. You have to have faith. you got to put your confidence and trust in God. But what does it lead to? It leads to an act of obedience. It leads to willingness to listen and hear exactly what God's telling you. It leads to prayer, some real conversations with God. And all of that positions you. I want the praise team to come. Here's what can happen. Sometimes it could be sitting right here. But sometimes you're not going to receive it sitting down, even though you need it. You're not going to receive it. I'll just tell you one story. The sickest I've ever been in my life. I thought I was going to die. I had lots of things happen. But let me just tell you this one last story and prepare you to receive. I'm laying in the bed. I think I'm going to die. I'm already settling it. A couple times this has happened in my life. I don't know what happened, but I was, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I couldn't, I was in so much pain and they're praying for me. Everybody is expecting me. I'm not going to make it. This dude's really sick. I didn't even know what happened, but I told Susie, I come out of the bedroom and she says, where are you going? And I said, Susie, I'll be back. And she says, Rick, you haven't even been out of the bed. You haven't even been out of the bed. I said, Susie, I'm going to go for a walk. And she says, Rick, you can't go for a walk. She said, you've been in bed two days. I said, I'm going for a walk. And here's where I really positioned myself. I looked at her, and I said, and I'm not coming back till he heals me. And I made out the door, and I stumbled down my driveway. And I went down the sidewalk, and I'm bawling like a baby, and I'm crying in pain. Here's what the devil told me. Everybody's going to notice you, and everybody's, they're going to call the cops on you. Because the thing is, when we're overwhelmed and we're frustrated, and we got obstacles, and we got pain, and we got problems, and we're not careful, we'll believe some lies that aren't true that keep us from getting in a receiving position. So I said, if that be the case, if everybody's going to, all the neighbors are going to notice me, Main Street through Carter Lake. I said, well, then I'll just pray louder. God, I need you to touch me. I need your healing power. It manifests itself in my life. I'm screaming. What happened was, is I just got bombarded with all kind of lies. You're going to die. I said, then I'm going to die in the middle of the street. I went out in the middle of the street, and I'm walking right down two lanes of traffic, right out in the middle of the street. I said, I don't care if I have to walk to the next town. I don't care what happens. I know a God that's able to touch and heal and deliver. And if, he, if, if I die, I die. If it's over, it's over. But I can't lay in the bed the rest of my life. And I walked down the middle of the street screaming. I finally, the, the strength of God coming, I raised my hands. It might have been a mile or two, I don't know. But somewhere on that walk, I was in a position, the healing power came. And I come back to the house healed by the power of God. Healed by the power of God. I couldn't get what I needed laying there. Some people do. My mother-in-law, I've got people stage four cancer get healed laying there. Somebody else believed. Somebody else obeyed. Somebody else came and prayed. They were part of their miracle. But sometimes it's your obedience to what he asks you to do. It's what he has surprised for you. It's what he has planned for you. It's what he's already purchased for you. You've got to position yourself. And it's so hard to get to the place because fear and doubt and unbelief are so critical and so convincing, so condemning. It's hard to trust. And it's hard to believe. God's going to remove it. God's going to take it away. God's going to fix it. But they're going to rest you when you take your baby out of intensive care. And I'm not saying do that because it's all different. There isn't one story in the Bible that's the same. You don't have to do what anybody else did. It's just God's going to come and whisper something to your ear. And if you're willing to listen, 
And some of you, it's going to be a step of faith. Some of you are just going to be right on the edge, and you're going to take a leap of faith, something maybe some of us would never do. But it positions you to receive. And if all these other things are gifts, then I believe we ought to shift miracles to gifts and not just happenstance and not just maybes and not just hopeful kind of sort of. I thank you for all the hugs today. But when you stood up and hugged me, the two greatest things happened to me today so far is Kenny Loveday stood up and hugged me. And I know the heart I have for him. And I know the prayers I prayed for him. It was monumental. And I told God, God, this is the best hug I've had in a while. Kenny Loveday on his feet, hugging me. Then I went over to the pastor's daughter, niece, and she's busy. She's trying to get somebody's attention. She's talking. She's not paying me no mind. I'm old. (laughs) And so I hug her. She's not into it, has nothing to do with it, and I just didn't let go. But then, then, Had I not stopped, had I been too busy, had I been preoccupied with my daughter-in-law being here from Montana, the mother of these three fantastic, unbelievable, well, really four unbelievable sons that she's given birth to. Yeah. She gave birth to my very best friend in my life, closest person ever to my heart, Patrick. Yeah. If I'd have just, I saw her but I wouldn't have been in a position to receive his hug. I wouldn't have been there long enough. You know what Nisi did after someone's talking to her and she's talking to them? The best hug I got today was from her. She just, because I was in a position to receive, she wrapped both arms around me and just hugged on me and held me and got me. And I go, this is the Nisi I love. Two greatest things happened because I was in a position to receive a Kenny Loveday hug and a Nisi hug. And I didn't have, if I didn't have time, and I was too busy, and I was preoccupied with something else going on, and Whitney's more important than Nisi. It wasn't about them, it was about me. I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've got a Kenny Loveday hug today. But he'll do what I ask. And if you want to line up and get one, it'd be worth you standing in line for. And what about if Kenny Loveday got healed while he was giving you a hug? See, we don't know. We've got to put ourselves in positions to receive. And sometimes it's on your knees. Sometimes it's on the floor. Sometimes you just got to wait. Sometimes you got to work yourself silly. It doesn't matter just whatever the giver and any significant gift you've ever got, someone else gave it to you and someone else paid for it and someone else planned the trip. And you were on the trip because of them, and you were there because of them, and you were in that motel room because of them. And so most of your best family times, because your dad put the bill for you, son. Your dad put the bill. You guys to be together. But you had to make it down there and get down there for the free food and the free lodging and the if you're too busy and you don't have time and you got stuff to do and you you can't. We've toiled all night and we've taken nothing and we're experts. Why don't you just cast your nets on the other side? It's not going to work. Fish here. The biggest catch they've ever received, 353 fish, was when they positioned themselves to receive by casting their net one more time 
on the other side in obedience and willingness to what the giver was saying to them. And they just repaired the nets. They just pulled them all in. They've toiled all night and taken nothing. You know what I hear the Lord say? He walks out on the water. They're toiling them. Contrary winds. I'm done. And they're trying so hard. They're working so hard. Hear this, Michael. They're working so hard and they're trying so hard. Jesus walks out on the water. Basically, what he said to them in, in that setting is, How are you guys doing? How are you guys doing? Not very well. How are you guys doing? Oh, we've told all night and taken nothing. Don't you care that we die? The boat's going under, falling apart. Jesus, sleep. Just walks out there, peace be still. Even the winds and waves obey. See, he's the giver of all good things. He's the giver of all good things. And if you have to receive salvation, why not receive your miracle? If you have to receive healing, why not receive? If you have to receive faith, why not receive? If you have to receive hope, why not receive it? They're going to sing over us. And I just want just to just download yourself in just to in a receiving mode. Just in your own mind. Not a, if, if God tells you to do something, do it. If, but I'm not talking about that today. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just uh, kind of troubling the water for a minute here. Michael, Pastor Michael, he'll be able to elaborate, elaborate, to explain it. I can't explain it, but I know what I was assigned to do here. Corporately, God wants you to position yourself to receive. And individually, God wants you to position yourself to receive. And there is no telling. There is absolutely no telling what God's going to do. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.